morning. Now, that's not the good morning from people who had breakfast and drank coffee. Good morning. Oh, there you go. Amen. My name is Ruben. Those of you who don't know me, we have many people visiting this morning, so we're so glad to be in the presence of God together, just worshiping. My wife, uh, Gabby, and I, we are the pastors of Riverside Lisbon. Next week, we are celebrating how many years? Five years. So it's going to be a very important day. So exciting. So many things that are in preparation for next week as we celebrate these this journey, this journey that this community has done in Lisbon, and it's a journey full of beautiful, amazing things that the Lord has done in our midst. Um, at every time we get together, that's the beauty of, of a Sunday morning. Every time we get together uh, is, is so meaningful and it's so important for us. Those of you who are Christians, it's just, you come to church just the same way way that you take a breath. It's just part of your nature. It's part of your life. And um, I know that it's not just because we have good breakfast. It's not just because you, you've made friends and you want to see them at least once every week. But I believe that most of us, when we came here this morning, it's because we want to have a special time in the presence of God. We, we know that God lives in us. We know that we are living with him every single day. But uh, it's such an opportunity for God to minister to our hearts. Barry and Lisa, welcome in front of everyone. We're so happy to be with you again. They left us to go to the U.S. Their grandparents, give them a round of applause. <laughs> Yay. And now they're back, thank the Lord. But as we, we come together, I really believe that, yeah, it's not just because we, we feel like led by so many different aspects, but when we come together, we want to give God time and space so that he can change our lives, so that he can shape us and mold us. And, and so many times then when I'm listening to God's word, I feel so, oh my gosh, is there a, a little hole where I can fit in? Because <laughs> I feel it's, this is for me. And I hope and I pray that this message will be that, at least for some of you this morning, as it has impacted my life as well. And the, the topic that I put, if they want to put it on, on the screen, is I choose. And I was reading about choices, and this is actually a topic that was in my heart last year that I wanted uh, uh, even a message series on it, but then with calendaring, it never came to be. And now, God, as I was praying and thinking about what am I going to teach about, what is God putting in my heart, it came back to this point. Choices. I choose. And how powerful it is to say that. Everyone says, I choose. Now, some of you were a bit fearful of saying that. Can you say it again? I choose. It's powerful, right? It is such a statement. It's, it's something that comes from within. The moment that we say, I choose, it's such a powerful thing. And I was reading about it and um, actually a, uh, several things about this message. I was reading, how many of you know Pastor Craig Rochelle? Not that many. If you like practical messages, messages that help you um, go into God's Word. Amen. Look at that. This is a very spiritual moment. If you look... 
If you look into, uh, if you like messages that allow you to, how do I apply the Word of God into my daily life? What are practical things that I need to do? Pastor Craig Rochelle, he's really good. All of, many of his messages have really blessed my life, so he's a reference. And he talks about choices, and I was reading what he said, and he said that many psychologists would argue that you and I are in great part the result of the choices that we've made in the past. Do you agree with that? That is something that people say. A lot of who we are today is based on the choices that we made in the past. And likewise, the decisions that we're making today will determine who we will become tomorrow. And it's so mind-blowing, this fact, that we are in constantly changing. We're constantly transformed. And also because of this little thing that we say all the time, I choose. And not just the biggest, wildest decisions that we make in life. I choose to marry you. Like those are life-changing decisions, of course. But our lives are actually a lot more impacted by the little decisions that we make on a daily basis. Now, if you and I are being changed as Christians, who are we supposed to be? Who are we meant to become? Would any of you dare to give me that answer? Like Christ, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, But we all, seeing the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces, as in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. And Paul is saying... If you want to see the glory of the Lord, if you want to see the things that, that God is doing, you just have to take a look at what God is doing in your life. If you have made the choice to live with Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Lord is going to reflect His glory in your life. In this journey called life, the Spirit of the Lord is making you Reflect more and more of his glory. But notice what the word is saying. You can only see the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces. Now he's talking, if you go into the car, he's talking about Moses. He's talking about how people, and especially Moses in the Old Testament, he was able to be in the presence of the Lord. But now he's applying it into our daily lives and giving us this illustration of a mirror that every day as you approach this mirror, you can see the glory of God more and more. That is the goal. I don't know what you see when you wake up in the morning and you go to the, your bathroom mirror. Do you like what you see? Don is a confident man. He likes what he sees. Do you like what you see when you are, have an unveiled face, when you don't have anything between you and the mirror? Ladies, no makeup. Guys, without gel or wax or whatever it is that you put on. Maybe there's makeup for men and some people. I don't judge. But do you like the reality of what you see? And that is the challenge. In order for us to see and being able to see the glory of God in our lives, we have to come to this mirror with unveiled faces. Anything that comes between you and the mirror, the reflection of the glory of God, those are the things that we need to start taking out. Those are the things that I need to be working on in my life. 
So my question for us this morning, are our choices helping us see the glory of God or hindering him? Are our choices pushing us towards God's will or are they pushing us further away from him? Now this is, goes into what Gabby was saying just now. We were having this conversation with Christians and, and most of what they're talking about is based on fear, it's based on personal desires, it's based on assumptions, it's based on what do we want out of life. But the Bible is very clear. The choices that we are making every single day should be pointing to the glory of God. It should, they should be pointing to Christ himself. And, and, and forgive me, and if you want to close your eyes, and if you want to pretend this is not for you this morning, feel free to do so. But my question for you is, because God knows everything, so let me give you this example with me. If I took a really good look at your life and the choices that you're making, would I be seeing the glory of God? If I was to know everything that is going on and how you're making decisions in your life, would you be comfortable enough with some other Christian and you would feel that this is someone that is being led by Christ? This is someone that prioritizes Christ. And not just me, but anyone else that would have that really good look at your life. But now this is the reality. This is the reality that we need to sink in. God knows everything about us. God knows every single motivation. God knows every single desire. God knows everything about you. And many times we call ourselves Christians, we call ourselves Christ followers, but every single choice that we're making on a daily basis is purely based on us. Purely based on what we want, purely based on what other people think, and not necessarily this image of Christ. That we're being transformed into his image from glory to glory by the spirit of God. And if in this just introduction, if you're thinking, are my choices helping me see the glory of God in my life? Are my choices pushing me towards the will of God for my life? Or are they not? And wherever you are right now in your life, my challenge for you is, and I'm going to give you three important topics, three big choices that many of us don't even realize that we're making on a daily basis. But these choices can bring us or closer to God or farther away from him. And the first choice, before I introduce us, and please don't put the slide, don't put the slide. Before I introduce us to the first choice, let me just ask you to imagine something, okay? Are you with me? Okay. Will you close your eyes? It's the best part about imagining. It's easier to do with eyes closed, right? Close your eyes. Imagine that everyone likes you. Imagine that. Imagine that everyone approves of you. That no matter what you do, everyone thinks that you're awesome. Now open your eyes. Did you enjoy that? 
Did you enjoy the feeling? Now, that will never, ever happen. <laughs> it's completely impossible. No matter what you do, you cannot please everyone. So there, here's the choice that I'm going to encourage you and I to make. Everybody say, I choose. And let's put on the screen, say, I choose purpose over popularity. Imagine being so consumed with pleasing Jesus that the approval of other people doesn't mean that much to you. Imagine waking up every single day with passion and purpose, with satisfaction in your heart, knowing that deep down you're doing what you were created to do. So much that what others think of you, of what you're deciding, does not affect you, does not distract you. Can you imagine this? And I believe with all my heart that this is how God is calling us to live. This is what I believe, based in the word of God, that God wants to happen in our lives. And I want to give you an example of someone who did this. He lived in the Old Testament, and we just did a message series on Exodus, and he was one of the main characters I'm talking about. Moses. But now we're not going to read in the Old Testament. We're going to read in Hebrews chapter 11. And if you know a little bit about Moses, Moses was, was this man. He was born as a Hebrew slave, but he was adopted into Pharaoh's family. Now imagine going from slavery to uh, the house of the king. He was born in poverty, but then he uh, ended up living among the royals and with abundance. And even though he could have chosen a life of comfort, even though he could have chosen a life that promised him so much on a physical level, instead he chose purpose over popularity. Let's read together Hebrews 11, starting in verse 24. It says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose, everyone says, he chose. he chose. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded this grace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. What did he do? He chose. He saw that obeying God was more important than anything anyone could ever offer to him. He was in such a grace state in Egypt that he fell from the grace in Egypt in order to embrace the grace of God. How do we live for the sake of Christ, as he says? How do we live for the purpose of Christ? And I just want to give you three passages in Scripture that talk about the purpose. Let's read in Micah chapter 6. He has told you, O man, what is good and what, do, what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. And 1 Corinthians 10 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And we're talking about purpose here. These verses talk about purpose. Finding your purpose in Christ is not something that you do once and it's done. But it's something that you do every single day. It's something that you discover one moment after the other by walking with God. By seeking His kingdom. When you're talking to someone and you recognize my purpose is to bring encouragement to this person. My purpose is to bring hope for this person. And then in that moment, you realize your God-given purpose for that moment. In another time, you meet with someone who has a need, and you recognize, wow, God can use me to meet this person's need. God, my purpose is to fulfill this person's need, is to help someone. And maybe you have a boss who's a psycho boss. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. He might be watching us. And then you're in your job and you have this boss that you cannot stand. It. He just or she just makes your life miserable. And your purpose that, in that moment is, well, I'm here in this job to pray for my psycho boss. To pray for her, his heart or her heart. To bring some light into this very dark place where people are at at least eight hours a day. You are able to find your purpose in God on a daily basis. This is what Paul calls in Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit. The Word of God tells us walk by the Spirit is not something that happens physically. It's something that happens spiritually. If you allow your life to be led by the amazing purposes of God in your life. The more you're in tune with God in prayer, the more you are going to see what God wants you to be involved here on earth. And as time goes by, the more that you serve God, the more that you are walking by the Spirit of God, in your faithfulness and in God's faithfulness, suddenly you recognize God is trusting you with more and more. Why? Because the Word says that if you're faithful in the small things... God is going to place you with big things. And over time, you're starting to recognize a calling. Over time, you're starting to recognize a vocation. All of a sudden, you start recognizing a ministry. And all of a sudden, you recognize, wow, this is why God created me for. This is how God shaped me to be useful in His hands. But it's something that needs to start on the daily basis. But by God, the biggest, the most dangerous thing that can happen is that we give in to popularity. What are people thinking about my choices? What are people thinking if I choose to do this with my life? Are they going to approve me? Do they like it? Do they like my hair? Do they like my clothes? Do they like my Instagram posts? Do they think that this is appropriate for me? Is this a good path? Is this a good journey for me? If we are seeking the approval of others, we will not be able to find the will of God for our lives. If you're seeking the approval of your parents, of your grandparents, of the people that paid for your studies, if you're looking for the approval of, of, of the 
people that gave birth to you because maybe they were never really good parents. If you're, finding, if you're trying to find the approval of a, in a boyfriend and in your spouse, even in your kids, in good friends that you have, or even total strangers, that's not where you're going to find the will of God that is revealed as you seek the purpose of God for your life. So we have the choice to make. And maybe this was already what God had installed for you this morning. Choosing purpose over popularity. The second choice, everyone says, I choose. And say, I choose surrender over control. And I'm going to need some more participation in this area. How many of you would say that in some area of your life, you love to be in control? Okay. Raise your hands. I want to see them. Okay. Good. We're able to admit. Those of you who are next to a control freak, raise their hands and put them up. There you go. Oh, there's a few of you, right? Amen. Control freaks, Jesus can set you free, okay? <laughs> all of us, all of us battle with some area of wanting to be in control. Some area that you say, it has to be done my way. I'm very uncomfortable to leave it in someone else's hands. Please don't touch that. Please let me do that. I know how to do that. You know what my area of control freak is? It's a very, it's a very interesting one. It's the dishwasher. <laughs> I'm very sensitive about my dishwasher. Because if you don't put things in the right place, after the program, one hour, two hours program, you open it and you see that things are not clean properly. Because some of the spoons don't allow the water thingy to run. And, then, and it's a mess. And I absolutely hate the feeling that I want my dishes and, and everything to be clean. And all of a sudden, here you go. You have to do the program all over again. So please don't touch my dishwasher. I'll handle it. My wife, we already have that unspoken agreement that leave the dishes for, to me, please. And I know it is something that we can easily make fun of it. But it becomes a big spiritual problem if we are trying to control something that it's not ours to control in the first place. The more we try to control, the more afraid we are of losing control. And the more afraid we are of losing control, the more we try to control. And the more we try to control, the more afraid we are of, of losing control. And it's this cycle. We enter in this cycle of fear that starts edging God out when we are starting to tell God, God, I want to control this. I think I know how to handle this. I think I know what is the best way of doing this. So God, please let me do this. And the reality is as well, if we're trying to tell God how something should be, we're actually taking God's place in our lives. And I have another example from you from Scripture, also from the Old Testament, of control gone bad. But I mean really, really, really bad. 
And there's this story about Abram and Sarai, and many of you know their names mostly by Abraham and Sarah because God, after a while, changed their names to give them purpose. But if there's anybody who battled with control issues for their lives, it was them. And this is not the story that I want to tell, but some of you know the, their story. And even when they were back into a corner and the, the king asked, who, who's, this, who's this person next to you talking about Sarah? And Abraham said, oh, she's my sister. Because he felt cornered and he felt like lying was a better deal than saying the truth. That Otherwise, he, he, that truth could have gotten him killed. But definitely in his pattern of behavior in scripture, we see that Abraham was someone that loved to be in control. And he thought that he had everything figured out. But at some point in Genesis 15, verse 5, the word of God says, God brought Abraham outside beneath the nighttime sky and told him, Look up into the heavens and count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like that. Too many to count. And this is mind-blowing. This is incredible. That God would promise this couple descendants so many that would even be more than the stars that are in the sky. Then what happened? Nothing. For quite some time. Some months passed by, another month passed by, maybe a year, two years passed by, and nothing. And Genesis 16 says, Sarai and Abram had no children. So Sarai took her maid, an Egyptian, Egyptian servant named Agar, and gave her to Abram. Since the Lord has given me no children, Sarai said, you may sleep with my servant and her children shall be mine. And Abram agreed. Sarai did what many of us do. God made a promise. God's timing was not consistent with her timing. So they took control to try to bring out the desired outcome their own way. And as you can imagine, just by painting this this scenario, control went bad, very bad. And I don't have time to go into details, but the situation ended up impacting people for centuries and centuries after that and still is impacting the world today. You will be tempted to take control when you think things aren't going your way. What are you trying to control in your life today? Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your future job, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's the desire to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, maybe it's your image. What are you trying to control? The antidote to this that Gabby already shared with us this morning is in Proverbs 3. Five to six, these verses that are some of the most difficult verses to live by. The word of God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. How much of your heart are you supposed to trust in the Lord with? With all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Do I need a comment on this one? Because you and I know a lot. 
We have past experience. We've studied. We watched and we read that book. We, we saw what happened with the other person. So I know a few things about doing this or that. The Bible says never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do. In what do you have to, to remember the Lord with? In which areas do you have to remember the Lord for? In what? No, I don't think it's that right. Well, can you say it again? Everything. Everything. Is that what it says? You have to trust in the Lord and surrender everything to Him? What is everything? What is everything? Give me a few examples. What is everything? Your life? Money? Job? Health. Amen. What else? Future. No one says boyfriend or girlfriend. Amen. I'll say it for you. Boyfriend and girlfriend. In all these different things that we worry about, that he says, if you remember the Lord, if you remember him, if you remember to put him first, if you remember to surrender everything, he will show you the right way. Because God not only has a way, he has the right way. And if he has the right way, this is what we have to ask ourselves. The thing that you and I are trying desperately to have control of, is this something really mine to control? Or is it something that I'm supposed to trust in the Lord with all of my heart? And not to lean in my own understanding and what I believe that I know. But acknowledge God. And He will know what to do. Think about the things that you have in your heart. Think about the way that you've been leading your life. Are you choosing control? Or is God telling you this morning you have to choose surrender? You have to choose surrender because God, He has the right way. He has the best plan. He has all power. There is nothing that He doesn't know. And if for a moment you let the enemy of your soul convince you that God doesn't care, that God has forgotten you, that God is not interested in that, that God is not going to bring out the best outcome for something, that you're not trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Then you're not remembering the Lord in everything you do. And I know it's not something easy to do. Just look at the people that you know. Look at the references that you have in your life. Do you look and you see so many people that are remembering the Lord in everything they do? Even Gabby and I, in so many conversations that we have with people, we end up talking so much about money, about houses, about a future, about schools for kids, about this and that, because people are so consumed in having control. 
And if for a moment we let those thoughts and those desires go inside our hearts, we think of ourselves just panicking and and trying to figure out a plan. But that's not trusting the Lord with all your heart. Yes, you do what you have to do. But let God lead you. Let him go before you and open the doors. If God once, I will go live there. If it's the desire of God, I'm going to have that job. If it is the will of God, I'm going to marry. If it is the will of God, I'm going to do this. Something that I grew up and people would say at church all the time, if that's God's will, oh, see you tomorrow, God willing. We scrap that from our conversations, but most importantly, we scrap that from our own hearts. God willing. This will happen. Because if God doesn't want that, thank you, Lord, because you have better. You will use me better. You have better plans. Time is passing by quick. The third and last. Everybody say, I choose. choose. Say, I choose important over urgent. urgent. Now, how many of you can say, I wish I had more time to do everything I want to do. It can be rest, it can be reading, it can be spending time with your kids, it can be to garden, to fish, to surf somewhere. But I was learning that any time I'm saying I wish I had time to do something else, I'm actually choosing something over something else. Do you agree with this? Every time you say I don't have time for that, you're actually choosing something over something else. When we say that, it actually means I am choosing something else to do or somewhere else to be in. We choose what we have time for. And we all have time for what we choose to have time for. And maybe you're thinking about these two words, important and urgent. And and maybe you're thinking, I thought that urgent things are always important things. Many times we don't make that distinction in our minds. But not necessarily. There is a difference. And I want to give you a few examples that enlighten me. If your car engine needs repairing because you didn't change the oil, because you didn't do proper maintenance of the car, getting your car engine repaired is important or urgent? It's urgent. But what is changing the oil of the car? It's important. If you're really, really sick because you didn't take care of yourself, You weren't cooking, so you're eating a lot of junk food. You didn't sleep. You were just living in the limit of your efforts. You're going to get sick. And you have to go to the doctor. And going to the doctor is urgent. But taking care of your body and cooking proper meals and doing exercise, taking care of your health that way is important. So there's a difference. And 
And I'm always thinking, and you may be thinking about so many things about working out, about cooking, and different things. And yes, that's also very important. And if you can take that to change and have important habits in your life, that's awesome. But what my focus here is spiritual. My focus here is about the image of Christ that is being formed in you. And we have to think about the things that are urgent in our lives and the things that are important. And I want us to take a look at a story in the New Testament, a story that you all know, I think, very well, a story about two sisters named... You see, you don't even need to look at the passage. You know it. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says, While Jesus and his followers were traveling, Jesus went into a town. A woman named Martha let Jesus stay at her house. And Martha, and we're going to continue reading, you can imagine, she's going to receive Jesus in her house. She's happy. She's excited. Jesus is coming, but all of a sudden, it strikes her. She goes into, free, into uh, frenzy mode cleaning the house. And we do it at all the time in our house. If I know that someone is coming, okay, so stuff everything in the closet, make sure that the toys are in the right place, light up the candles that we have for guests, and for the love of God, put some worship music because we're pastors, so we have to have a holy environment in place. And, and, and I believe Martha did the exact same thing. Jesus is coming. I need to make sure that everything is proper. And Luke 10 and verse 39 continues saying, Martha had a sister named Mary who was sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him teach. But Martha was distracted with all the work to be done. She went in and said, Lord, don't you care? And you can hear the, like she was really annoyed. You know when someone is so furious that, Lord, don't you care? She was so upset. Don't you care that my sister has left me alone to do all of the work? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha. He even had to say her name twice. Like, Martha, Martha. 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 You are worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is important. Can you say it with me? Only one thing is important. Can you say it again? Only one thing is important. Mary has chosen the better thing, and it will never be taken away from her. Mary made the decision to sit at the Lord's feet listening to what he, had, he wanted to say, Mary chose what was important in that moment. But Martha did what many of us do. What I do all the time, she surrendered to the urgent. And she missed out on what was truly important. And I love these the way that the word defines or, or explains what Martha was feeling. She was distracted. She was worried. She was upset. Are these feelings familiar to you? How many times we find ourselves distracted and worried and upset? That's the lifestyle of someone that prioritizes the urgent. 
because there are so many things to do and I have to run from one side to the next. What is most impo- the most important thing when you think about your life? What are you valuing as important? What is the most important thing you've been distracted from doing? And some of you would say, honestly, those that are Jesus followers, that you've been distracted from spending time with Jesus, that you haven't put him first lately, you haven't haven't had intimate time feeding on his word. That you haven't been aligning your heart with his heart. That you've been distracted from this. And some of you are thinking, I've been neglecting my children. I've been prioritizing and living in the urgency. And I haven't, been sp- I haven't spent time with my children in a long time. Maybe you've been le- neglecting your marriage. Maybe you haven't spent good quality time together. And marriage, it's the rock you should be Holding your family together. Maybe you've been neglecting your physical body even. And maybe you haven't been taking good care of yourself. Maybe there's an addiction or a habit or a sin that is been, has been part of your life. But you've been neglecting that. And you've been allowing yourself to live that way. It's really important to deal with all of those things. But you haven't dealt with them yet because... You're caught in the urgent. But if we're not intentional about this, I promise you the urgent will crowd out the important in your life. And this happens all the time. Everyone says, I choose. When you know what God wants to do in your life, It's important to say, I choose. It's important to declare, I choose. We have choices to make. We're all making these choices on the day-to-day. And unfortunately, more often than not, we're not putting Christ-likeness in the center of it. We're not allowing God to be central in our lives. That's why with the help of God, we need to start doing first what matters most. If it's spending time, good quality time with God every day, do so. Prioritize what needs to come first in your life. You need to start saying no to things that you need to say no. And sooner than later, you're going to realize you're saying no to good things that you wanted. You're saying no to things that you thought they were good. You're going to say no to things that you even think, oh, this would be so godly. This would be so amazing. But because of the kingdom of God, for the sake of Christ, for the purpose, for the surrendering part of your life, for the important things to happen, you have to say no because you're choosing to say yes to what is important. I'll invite you to stand with me this morning, the worship team to come. And in a while, we're going to take communion together. And while we are going to sing and continue to worship the Lord, the, the Connect team will distribute the symbols. So 
Please hold them as we sing together, and then after we're going to take them all together. But in this moment of surrendering, Dad, we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. I want you to think, and I want you to process the things that you've heard this morning. The decisions we make every day, every day become the story of our lives. And God is writing a story, and he has a story that he wants to write. But we have to ask ourselves, would you rather be popular, or would you rather your life had purpose? Would you rather control and lose out on life, or surrender and experience true life from the Lord? Would you rather continue to live distracted, worried, and upset with the urgent, or start focusing on what is truly important. And as you close your eyes with me this morning, I want to invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are in your presence. And Lord, again, feeling convicted from your word of Lord about the way that we've been living, about the choices that we're making. Lord, we are so convinced by your love for us and your care. If, was, if it wasn't for your grace that surrounds us, that protects us, that guides us, that speaks to us, none of us would be here. We're so grateful, Lord, for the beautiful calling to this life that you've called us into. We're so grateful for the the knowledge of, of knowing that you started such a beautiful work in our hearts that it, is, it isn't finished yet. And you're not going to give up on us. And Father, in, in this journey that we're doing with you called life, you are entrusting us with so many choices. Choices that we need to learn how to make. Father, we pray that you will help us to prioritize and, and to choose purpose. Lord, help us to choose surrender. Help us to choose what is important. And in our daily lives, so many things come and want to battle these choices. But I pray that you will fill us with your spirit and give us wisdom, Lord. Open our eyes to see the choices that we're making that are not aligned with your will. Help us, Lord, to, to turn 180 degrees on the areas that we want to take control of. Father, help us to live for you. Help us to live with you. Help us to seek your kingdom first in all that we do to remember everything that you are, to remember everything that you've done in the past, to, Lord, appreciate the, the transformation that you've already made in our lives and help us to continue to seek that transformation. I pray for my heart. I pray for the hearts of my brothers and sisters in this place that once again, we will be able to surrender everything before you. We give you all the honor and all the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.